0: And we're still talking about revolution.
2: Hello and welcome to the Doon Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. This is Marissa and I'll be taking you through until 5 o'clock this evening. First up on the show, we're going to be speaking with Tiffany Overall from Youth Law. And we'll be speaking to her about a topic that we have interviewed on many, many times over many years. And in collaboration with the Human Rights Law Centre, health and medical experts call for the age of criminal responsibility to be raised to at least 14. Leading health and medical organisations in Australia say they will not stop pushing for the law to reflect medical science and for governments to raise the age of criminal responsibility to at least 14. And this is actually a little bit of a of a blurb that I've read out from a recent media release put out by the Human Rights Law Centre, and we've recently also interviewed the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service, some people from there. In particular, we, we interviewed um, Leanne, who was who is the, the leader of the statewide Deaths in Custody Notification Service. So we'll be speaking with Tiffany pretty soon, and then after that... I'm hoping to be interviewing Auntie Caroline, who is a First Nations protector of country, and we're hoping to interview her about the 1980s and the Aboriginal Tent Embassy that she was involved in. Looking at a little bit of history, and perhaps also looking at what's happening with coal at the moment, and looking at the the issues um, around that. But yeah, um, first up, we'll be speaking with Tiffany very shortly. Get your Radical summer attire sorted. New stock of 3CR Radical Radio tees has just landed, featuring the iconic antenna design by artist Emily Floyd. As well as our basic black, we have a range of great pastel and primary colours in a variety of sizes. And for those radical little people, we have a short run of kids' tees available too. For just $30 for adults or $20 for kids, you can get yourself a local, ethically manufactured and printed tea that supports Radical Community Radio. We can send one out in the post, and there's Click & Collect from our studios at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or if you're fully vaxxed, you can drop in and browse our T-shirt rack during business hours. To purchase online, go to 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. And you're back with the Doing Time show. I'd like to welcome Tiffany to the program. Hello, Tiffany. How are you at the, towards the end of the year? Yeah.
1: Hi, Marissa. I'm really well, thank you. Thanks for the invite.
2: Thank you so much. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a tough year with the pandemic and mm-hmm. been a bit crazy. So Australia has become internationally isolated in its refusal to raise the age from 10 to 14. And in fact, Attorneys General last month said that they would consider raising raising the age to 12. Hmm. Can you talk to us a little bit about what's happening at Youth Law, law and in regards to this and, and what's going on there?
1: Yeah, and I believe absolutely.
2: you also gave, didn't give evidence, but you were part of, a, of an evidence-based um, inquiry, weren't you, um, earlier on this year? Yeah.
1: So in, in terms of um, raise the age, there was a whole... Heap of organisations, including Youth Law, that put submissions into a national review of um, looking at you know potentially changing the age. Um, and that that process has been going on for some time. Um, that all that sort of process of gathering submissions finished off ages ago, and we were hoping to see the national um, um, group of attorney generals release. The findings of that review um, because we were pretty confident there was a lot of submissions collectively calling to raise the age to 14 at at a minimum and um, unfortunately despite absolute amazing efforts from the likes of the Human Human Rights Law Centre and others um, we haven't been able to get a copy of that report, Uh, we haven't been able to publicly see all the submissions sadly Um, so it's been a real shutdown of, of, you know, and really very limited transparency of what that review sort of um, showed. And, and then separate to that, we know that, um, yeah, as you said, when you introduced the session um, last month, there was a, a meeting of the group of attorney generals coming together um, and they were basically saying, well, look, we're going to going to look into a, a proposal to rage the age of criminal responsibility to 12. Um, so it's like a plan to, ha- to, ha- to look at a proposal. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, it's no commitment to anything, um, but it also talks about 12 years and not even though all the evidence, all the submissions for you know um, from a whole heap of agencies have been saying it needs to be at least 14. So... Yeah, it's a little bit um, a little bit frustrating, a little bit disappointing. Um, I mean, Attorney General's been, you know, promising to to develop a, something in this space for the sort of the last three years, and yet they've delivered absolutely nothing. And you know, meanwhile, kids across Australia continue to be, you know, under fourteen continue to be arrested and, and locked away. So um, there's been a fair bit of advocacy and work flowing from that announcement last month. Um, Again, as you flagged, there's a heap of um, medicos and medical agencies that have come together um, basically saying that, you know, it's really disappointing that the announcement last month is only talking about possibly raising the age to 12 and not 14. Um, They're they're reminding the government really strongly across all the states and territories that, that this, that 12 is just contrary to all the best legal and health advice, um, that it all says that, you know, 14 years old is the absolute youngest age. A child should ever be subjected to the criminal legal system. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just, if anything, it's just ramped us up again, you know. We've really got to push um, for more urgent action around it, you know. Um, yeah, uh Age being raised to 14 at a minimum. So, yeah. It
2: really is quite astounding because there's going to be quite a lot, of, there's already quite a lot of mass imprisonment.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, that's right. We, we definitely see, um, you know, there's been a big spike in numbers of imprisonment across all ages. Um, you know, I mean, in the, in the, children's space in that sort of under 14 space there are considerable numbers still and you know it's not comparatively high as for adults but for example we know um, you know for a period of um, I think it was probably up till middle of last year there were about um, 400 and just under 500 children under 14 in prison across the nation at that time Um, and, and the irony is Marissa that if if Australia raised the age to 12 at that point in time, then there would have still been 456 out of 499 of the kids would still have been in prison. It was such a few, small amount under 12, you know what I mean. So it's yeah. almost like they were just picking the low fruit and going, oh well, we'll give them something, but it, it won't actually impact on many kids. It won't save many kids hitting the system or being. Um, you know, locked up, so that that's that's also really disappointing, you know.
2: It's extremely disappointing, and in particular what's also disappointing, and I, I remember that we I interviewed um, Monique Hurley and also mm-hmm. Amala as well from the Human Rights yeah. Law Centre, and yeah. I think it might have been back in October, and I think you were on the same show as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. And it was just, I think, after the day that they... That, Monique and Amala gave evidence in part uh, the uh, for the Parliamentary uh, yep. inquiry.
1: Yes. So that was the Victorian inquiry, that's right, on the criminal justice system more broadly. Yep,
2: yep. Yeah, so the Victorian inquiry into the criminal justice system more broadly obviously looked at everything like you know, mass imprisonment, but I, I believe they also looked at the criminal age as well. That's raising the criminal totally age. brought up by many, many
1: people, um yeah. Yeah, including Human Rights Law Centre and ourselves, absolutely.
2: And they're yep. meant to be reporting back in February, but don't yeah. you find it interesting that there's no report? It isn't that's just, just a look? I think
1: I think I mean they're two separate. Uh, I was referring to a, a, another national review oh, yes. specifically on raising the age, so that's that's the oh, one we can't food? get our hands okay. on. Yeah, that's the one we can't get our hands on. But, oh, you um, can't get your
2: hands on that report, the okay? The national
1: one. And it's so, sort of it's the, sorry, the, the Jimmy, national so... level that they came yeah. out with this announcement of 12 years. So look on a Victorian level, who knows, you know, let's be, I don't know, <laughs> a little upbeat and try to be positive maybe with this Victorian review of the criminal justice system. They may make a recommendation to the Victorian government, yes, we you know, yeah. we should be raising the age to 14 and so that, I think that's still quite possible I mean we'll have a better idea in February um, when the report comes out but um, yeah and that's the thing now I think we have to just stay here as Victorians like we want it to happen nationally but you know in Victoria let's let's take a lead on this you know I mean ACT are going alone um, They're the only one that's taken any action in line with all the expert advice and they have committed to raising age to 14 and they have pushed back on this national call and said, no, we don't agree with that. We're still going to go ahead ourselves and and raise the age to 14. And so we really need Victoria to just be, you know, a bit more courageous and show some leadership and go, all right, we, we agree with ACT. Yes, we're going to do this too. If the other jurisdictions aren't ready for it, well so be it. But you know, we've done a lot of thinking and a lot of talking, we've done this you know, we've got this parliamentary review, we've got all the medical evidence. Let let's do it.
2: So just so that we let's let's clarify then just to clear up any confusion yep. that yep. that I might have caused actually.
1: <laughs> no, you're right, you're right.
2: No, no. But I I just wanna kind of just um so you can just mention both of these inquiries now, just so to put it in context. Yeah, sure.
1: Um, so, yeah, so there was there was a national um, review into the age of criminal responsibility that was done nationally, and that was really done to inform all the AGs across the nation about well, how they should proceed in this space Um so that was the Coalition of Attorney-Generals. And so that was done a couple of years ago, and that's what we've been calling on to get to get a copy of whatever recommendations were made in that report. But they've kept it all... They're saying it's all internal. They're not prepared to release it publicly. Um, um, but then separately, most recently, when all the National Attorney-Generals came together, they, they're the ones that have come out and said that they... Um, made this announcement to plan a proposal to raise the age to 12 years, um, even though they've got all of that evidence that's part of that review at their fingertips, if, you know, which I'm sure suggests they shouldn't, they should be doing something else and um, going that bit further. So that's that's the national process. And then separately, and just this year, we've had this um, parliamentary um, review broadly into the criminal justice system, which is very much looking at that issue you raise about the increase in number of prisoners, um, that, 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 you know, the spike in recidivism numbers, etc. and it was really exploring across the board what can we be doing to bring those numbers down to you know, reduce recidivism. And in the mix of all the very appropriate um, recommendations made, raising the age criminal responsibility was... One of the foundation sort of recommendations. A lot of people that put into that Victorian review were saying, "Hey, this is going to be this is a really important step to stop the trajectory of these young people into the system and then staying in the system as adults, because that's what we we know often can happen."
2: Um, yeah, so oh, the two separate processes. Yeah. Thank you so much for. They're both relevant, actually.
1: Absolutely. You know, there's been yeah, just a lot a lot going on in this space. So we, we, you know, it's really interesting. I mean, I actually feel like here in Victoria, um, there's a lot of political support for this, you know, idea of raising the edge of criminal responsibility. But I don't know, it's just um, them feeling emboldened and having having the courage and and the licence to go ahead and, and make that change, Um I really don't think it needs to be as such a big deal. Like, we're not talking about an enormous cohort of children. I feel like Victoria, you know, we have the services, we have the infrastructure, we have the know-how to wrap around some of these young people hitting the system under 14, um, you know, and, and providing a welfare and health response rather than a criminal justice response. I really think we we are capable of it and other countries have done it successfully. Victoria and Australia can do it successfully as well
2: absolutely and, and in fact even though other countries do have their flaws I mean specifically roughly you know what 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 would be an example of a country where it was successful
1: uh, yeah look I think it's quite a few jurisdictions um, doing it at the moment but uh, I'm trying to think what would be sort of a standout um, I mean I'm not Super well researched in the space of how. That's it's,
2: okay. That's okay. Yeah. No, but it's, it's but, enough to say, isn't it, Tiffany? I mean, we don't have to be, specify. It's yeah. only just a general interview, but it's enough to say that that overseas, like Australia, yeah. is backwards. That's
1: I mean, right. And yeah, some jurisdictions have gone higher than fourteen. As uh, some of the Scandinavian countries have gone as high as true uh, sixteen. So you know, I mean, we could be we could be pushing for higher again, but you know, we're like, well, no, I think you know, we've got enough to suggest that at at the absolute minimum, 14.
2: And, of course, our Aboriginal children are severely impacted. Yes.
1: Yes, they are. Um, And that's... And, look, I have to say, you know, a lot of the um, Aboriginal-led organisations have been champions in this space and that they are really leading the way with the advocacy in this call for raising the age because they know how crucial this reform is for a uh, lot the young folk so um there's yeah been calls for it from the Aboriginal Children's commissioner for um, within the children's Commission there's been calls for it from valves obviously from from that show, from a whole heap of organizations so um you know let's let's hope that can get over the line
2: absolutely and just finally. With youth law, what what's happened with um the work of Youth Law in terms of working with, with children who may go to prison? Has is that something that mm. is looked at or is it more about policy?
1: Yeah, it is a little bit more about policy, mainly main reason being I suppose at Youth Law, while we do have a criminal law practice supporting children and young people, um, we sort of have this cut off point if it if the offending is serious enough to potentially get a sentence of detention, that's when it sort of slips into um, Victoria Legal Aid's space. Um, So they're sort of resourced to do that casework, so they do a lot of that work in detention with young people or Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service do as well. So youth law will assist with less serious criminal matters. But but I suppose it's still really relevant for us because... um, you know, when we talk about raising the age of criminal responsibility, we're saying you shouldn't be you shouldn't be arresting or charging a child under 14. You know, so yes, we're definitely getting children under 14 charged with offences that may not result in them, you know, ending up spending time in detention. But but we would say that wasn't the appropriate response. So why would you why would you necessarily charge or arrest a, you know a child for um, you know stealing something, why would you necessarily have a criminal response when obviously there 's other stuff going on um and we could provide welfare and health response to to address those issues underlying that particular young person's offending behavior um, so the, it is relevant for us in that in that in that way, and we are you know we don 't see a whole lot of kids under fourteen, but we do we do definitely see some.
2: Of course, of course. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we really need to be reminded, and I know this is going to sound really harsh, but we need to be reminded that Australia is is a penal system. Mm-hmm. That's That's mm-hmm. how it was founded. It was mm. founded by colonisation, dispossession, genocide, and convict settlement. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's right. That's right, and so it's breaking, you know, very long yeah, tradition and culture, isn't it, for us to do things differently. And I'm not sure if that's some of the, the reticence to, to, to change, but, yeah, I mean, you've got, I think we just all have to acknowledge how culturally embedded our current practice is.
2: Well, yeah, isn't Australia based on the Westminster system? The British? It is. Yeah, yeah, it is British, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. yeah who's the thought, <laughs> eh? <laughs> Thank you so much for coming onto the program. No, my pleasure as always,
1: Marissa. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
2: Lovely to have you. It's the end of the year now. Yep. And in fact, um, just to let yourself know and also listeners that we're going to be playing some highlights over the summer programming. The 20th of December will be my last show for the year and okay. look out for some um, just some highlights from the year and there's going to be like a series on um, this very topic about criminal age.
1: Uh, brilliant, brilliant. No, I'm good on you. And, uh, yeah, just thanks for all your, you know, passion and persistence during the year. It's, yeah, it's been much appreciated. And, yeah, I hope you have a well, well-deserved break when you get to it.
2: You too, Tiffany. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM. Visit the 3CR website at 3CR.org.au forward slash podcast to hear the most recent recording from each show or 3CR.org.au forward slash streaming
2: to listen live. 20 Years on the Inside is an iconic new podcast series that gives voice to the experience of First Nations people in the Victorian prison system. 20 Years on the Inside. I'm Vicky Roach. And I'm Kutcher Edwards. This series reflects on
1: 20 years of listening to our mobs on the inside as part of the Beyond the Bars prison broadcast.
2: 20 years on the inside is essential listening for anyone looking to educate themselves about the realities of life on the inside and the need to end Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander incarceration.
1: Well, all the boys mentioned about being in jail... What you do really isn't who you are. You know, it's how you love your family. It's how you care about your cousins. It's how you care about your people. That's what what this is about for me.
2: Catch the podcast via the 3CR website or on your favourite podcast app.
1: Across Australia and around the world, we've seen reactionary right-wing mobilisations around anti-vaccine, anti-lockdown and anti-public health demands. In response to this, the Campaign Against Racism and Fascism have launched the campaign Pro-Vax, Pro-Union, anti fascist to combat the far-right and to fight for public health, safety and social solidarity. Go to www.calf.melbourne to join the fight for the safety of workers in the community and against the far-right. A
0: 3CR supporter.
2: And this is the Doin' Time show. And just to let listeners know that unfortunately we couldn't get on to Artie Carolyn. So I'm hoping we can get her on possibly next week or maybe next year. We're kind of, you know, getting to a close of the year now. So I'm going to actually read out an article um, in regards to an interview that that the show did last week, I believe, in regards to... Patty Gibson, because it is important to talk about what's happening with the far right and, and what's going on in terms of activists and um, you know people that are that are into human rights being intimidated. And this particular article was was written by Sydney Crimin- criminal lawyers um, by Paul Gregoris. And it's entitled, An Interview with the Jambuna Institute's Patty Gibson, Neo-Nazis Intimidate Anti-Racist Activist at Home. And this article was written um, about a week ago now, and and I'll begin now. Anti-racism activist, um, well-respected anti-racism activist, supporter of First Nations rights and prominent trade unionist. Patrick Paddy Gibson, had three neo-Nazi types with shaven heads and shirts emblazoned with the Eureka flag turn up on his front doorstep on the night of Saturday last week, the 4th of December. The unexpected and uninvited visitors banged on his front door, calling out that they wanted to speak to him. The three men soon commenced bashing on the door of his Sydney home, ripping at security screens and even broke a window. Gibson has since explained that he has been the subject of death threats in the past. This was especially so last year during the height of the Black Lives Matter protests in Sydney and he's added that he welcomed the support that his multicultural neighbourhood has shown since the incident. A member of socialist group Solidarity, Paddy is a key figure on the local social justice movement scene. He's also a researcher at the UTS Jambuna Institute, where he works under esteemed Professor Larissa, Larissa B. Hendrit, and that's spelled B-E-H-R-E-N-D-T. And his work at the uni directly deals with Aboriginal deaths in custody. This is a line in the sand that should never be crossed in politics with extremist right-wing thugs threatening the home of a prominent anti-racist activist, said New South Wales Greens, MLC David Shoebridge, on the day following the incident. When politicians from the Prime Minister down provide cover for the far right, then this creates a political space for violence. National Justice Project Director George Newhouse outlined that the attack was a result of governments around the country having failed to take the threat of violent, racist and militant groups seriously. This is the end result, the lawyer continued. It's time for our leaders to heed the calls for racial justice and protect those who are calling for change. Black Lives Matter organiser Elizabeth Jarrett outlined that Paddy is always at the front line assisting First Nations families subjected to police violence, child removal and racism in many other forms, as well as supporting people of all backgrounds suffering injustice. Our community stands with Paddy and his family, the well-known activist Made Certain. We will not be intimidated by these Nazis and we will continue to fight side by side against the putrid racism and violence we are subjected to on our lands. A rising tide. New South Wales Police are currently investigating the matter and it's been lost on no one that this incident has occurred at a time when far-right groups have been been emboldened due to their prominent mobilising as part of the freedom movement. Of course, not all participants in the recent anti-lockdown and vaccine mandate rallies have been people who align themselves with the right wing of politics and Gibson has raised concerns that similar incidents to those he was subjected to might be on the horizon. Sydney criminal lawyers spoke to Paddy Gibson about what occurred at his family home, the reasons why this incident has occurred right now, as well as the actions of government that promote these sorts of far-right actions. UTS Jambuna Institute researcher Paddy Gibson addresses a Grandmothers Against Removal protest in Sydney, and I thought I'd read out the tag... Above the photo, even though it's radio and you can't see the photo anyway. Um, continuing on, um, three Patty says three neo Nazis turned up at, at your at the family home last Saturday night and bashed on the front door. Um, and they say they ask him the question: Criminal lawyers, can you give us a more detailed account of what happened? And Patty says. We are at home, me and my partner, on Saturday night. The lucky thing was my children weren't at home. They usually are. There was a loud knock on the door at about 7.30. I walked up and looked through the peephole and saw these beefy white guys with nationalist insignia on the front of their shirts and short cropped hair. I thought to myself, these are fascists. And there's a language warning. Shit. End of language warning. And, and, and this continues. And Paddy says, hello, who's there? One guy says, we're here to see Paddy. I said, why? He said, just tell him to come out here. We want to see him. I started moving away from the door, but because I didn't know if they were armed or what, and I heard one of them say, are you Paddy? Then they stopped talking and started smashing on the door. My partner and I went to a safe place in the house. It sounded like they were trying to force entry. They continued smashing on the door, and then they smashed on the windows. There was the sound of breaking glass, and we thought they were coming in. I called triple zero. My partner called a neighbour. We were terrified and they actually ripped the security screens off. Yeah, they did. We subsequently saw what they did when we went out of the front of the house. They'd had a go at the front door and they'd managed to rip the security screen off one of the windows. And they also picked up a chair and used that to smash out the window. The banging was all over within minutes. But it was only when we heard our neighbours calling out that we knew we were safe. There was immediate and overwhelming support from our neighbours and others. There is a strong Lebanese community here and we got support in particular from them. The malicious damage perpetuated upon Gibson's family home. The malicious damage, um, you said that you received death threats last year around the time of the Black Lives Matter rallies. But why do you think you've been targeted now? That's guesswork. I've got no particular indication as to why, except for that I'm a prominent anti-racist activist and the sights of these people. As I said, I've received quite a lot of threats previously, including threats to the House. These threats were really heightened around the Black Lives Matter protests last year. I was getting death threats every day for a while. So I would say I am known to the far right and they've probably got wind in their sails as they've been welcomed with open arms at these freedom rallies and demonstrations against lockdowns and vaccine mandates. There's been a prominent far right presence within that movement. I've had more experienced trade unionists an anti-racist activists contacted me, telling me that these kinds of tactics were a lot more common in the late 80s. There was a group, National Action, who used to do home visits, but people haven't heard about this particular tactic for quite some time. And then the question is asked by Paul, to Patty, you've just mentioned the far-right link with the freedom movement. There have been numerous visible displays of this presence around the country. So would you say the attack on your house reflects a failure on the part of the political leadership in addressing, in, in, addressing, in addressing this. Absolutely, it certainly reflects a failure of political leadership on a range of fronts. Firstly, the racism that we see in such a concentrated and violent form with fascist and openly far-right groupings is really something that's encouraged by government policy. We live in a country where there's absolute systematic racism against Aboriginal people, people of colour and migrants. Aboriginal people are demonised and abused by police and government agencies every day of the week. The response to the Black Lives movement was disgraceful. We had the police commissioner, Mick Fuller, demonising BLM protesters as being violent and responsible for the spread of the coronavirus last year. We had police attacking our attempts to organise these rallies. We have ongoing police killings of Aboriginal people in police custody. That includes the shooting just a few weeks ago in Sydney and it's sanctioned really by the government refusal to prosecute killers. The racist political system in Australia and the racist policy settings are what allow the far right to get an audience for their ideas ideas and confidence in them to grow. That's absolutely the case. Nationalism and xenophobia have been encouraged through the coronavirus pandemic. We have seen border closures. It is the go-to measure for governments when they try to appear as though they're acting to contain the virus. The first thing they did with this Omicron variant was shut the borders to southern Africa, even though it was already transmitting in Sydney when they did. Then they banned international students and visa workers from coming to Australia for another couple of weeks, while there's not even Omicron in any of the countries where the students are coming from. This is a knee-jerk, xenophobic response that's designed to show people they're being tough and protective, but all of it encourage racism and nationalism. That's what you get if you have racism at the top. People on the ground are empowered to carry that out in a violent way. Gibson is an ardent anti-racist activist, First Nations rights supporter, and he is a member of Socialist Group Solidarity. So that's the end of that article, but I read that out because it's really important to have multiple um, viewpoints, and, and of course, fascism in Australia is a fact. Um, right-wing, uh, right-wing xenophobia has come up all over the world, and the pandemic has highlighted that. And so I wanted to read that article for a number of reasons. Also, just to keep the tradition alive that, you know, we do have a listenership in prison. Obviously, we 3CR does not have the money to do surveys, like um, rich television stations, but or radio stations for that matter, but we are a community radio station and we try on this particular show, the Doin' Time show, to have people read things out. And Traditionally, over many years, there have been, you know, many people who have broadcasted for the Do and Time show and not only ex-prisoners but um, people who are interested in human rights as well and people also have varying degrees of literacy skill as well, but it doesn't matter here because what's important is that the information is, is read out. It's approximately 440 and we're nearing the end of our show actually and I'm hoping actually to put some music on and um, a few a few announcements now and, and and really finish early for the show today. And I'll be back for the last time on the 20th of December. and then after that um, I'll, I'll be back on the, the 31st of January next year. So stay tuned every Monday. From four to five for the Doin' Time show. And I'll say goodbye now and we'll, we'll put some, some music on and then at the end we'll be going out with our theme song, Black Fella, White Fella, um, by the Rumpy Band. And wanted to thank, um, our first guest, Tiffany, um, overall for, from Youth Law for coming onto the show. And, um, we'll, we'll see if we can get Auntie Caroline on at some other time. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye.